As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, today is Corpus Christi, where we focus in a special way on the true presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So when the priest says the prayers of consecration during the Mass, the bread and wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It's not a symbol. See, it's not a symbol because polling every year keeps showing that the vast majority of Catholics confused the Blessed Sacrament as a symbol, but it's not. It's literally God. Come come to the altar that that priest has, has said those prayers over. But then the polling is not really accurate in this sense, that the vast majority of Catholics don't practice the faith. They don't go to Mass. And so I would imagine that just about all of those who don't go to Mass realize that it's or believe falsely that this is a symbol, either because they've been poorly catechized or just were never catechized, and assume that's the case. But it gets to another point. Why do people come to Mass, and what's the significance of the Mass? I think, this is Father Nathan's opinion, that most people who attend Mass uh, attend Mass because it somehow, if they don't, they just feel off. They just feel uh, like something's wrong, etc. So they attend Mass not to have that kind of something's wrong feeling, which is a really kind of backward way of kind of looking at the whole thing. But really what I'm saying is most people who do attend Mass, and again, most Catholics don't, but those who do, do it out of habit. I'm just describing what it feels like not to engage in a habit. When we have a habit and we don't do it, then we feel upset and anxious and kind of disordered and something's not quite right, and then we do the habit again and now we feel back to normal. Same kind of thing. Most practicing Catholics, it's just been a lifelong habit, and so that's why they do it. And if they don't, they feel out of sorts. The other is that some, a lot of Catholics attend Mass because it makes them feel good, or at least they want it to make them feel good. All right, well, that's fine enough. It's just that that's not a really, that's not going to work, is it? Because we go to Mass frequently and we don't feel good. Not that the Mass made us feel bad, but it didn't make us feel good either. It didn't move the needle at all. And so then we ask ourselves, why did I invest all that time getting ready for Mass, traveling to Mass, attending Mass, and coming home when it didn't change how I feel. So that's just a really shaky ground to come to Mass, is my feelings, because it makes me feel good, kind of thing. All right. But then there's this other category, too, that a lot of Catholics who attend Mass attend Mass because they want Jesus in the Eucharist to do something for them. Dear God, I got lots of problems. Dear God, I got lots of things that I want. I'll go to Mass and I'll ask you to serve me and give me what I want. All right? How about that? Okay. So we've got that relationship completely backward. We come to Mass to find out what God wants for, from us and then we start serving God. It's not the other way around. It's not the Creator's job to serve the creature, but for the creature to serve the Creator. And this is how it will be for all eternity. Which gets me to the next thing, eternity and timelessness. So the first Mass begins at that Passover meal with Jesus and his 12 priests, his disciples, or his apostles, for whom he's going to establish the entire church upon the priesthood. And without the priesthood, there's no Mass, there's no parish, there's no church. So please pray for priests and more of them. 
But at that Passover meal, what the Jews were doing was they were remembering the Jews passing over from slavery in Egypt, ultimately to freedom in the promised land, although they would have a 40-year delay in the, in the wilderness because they were sinful and disobedient, and so God made them stay in the wilderness to, well, to punish them and to purify them until they were ready under God's terms to enter the promised land. But that's what was happening at that first Mass, was that Jesus and his 12 apostles were celebrating the annual Passover, where the Jews were commanded, Moses was told, and the Jews were commanded, that every year at this time that they had to commemorate or remember the passing over through this Seder meal, this meal that they had. All right. But that's just a remembrance. What Jesus does, because he's God, remember Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God and three divine persons, which we celebrated last Sunday. All right. That second person of the Holy Trinity, the Word, came to earth into the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, became man, is named Jesus. He's God. All right. And because he's God, Jesus is not bound by the laws of time and space. We are. So that means that Jesus, just time and space, is this little, is this little creation. Think of a little golf ball. And that's all of time and space. Here's the whole universe in that little golf ball. And God's just looking at it. He created it. It's, it's teeny and hardly anything to God. But there it is. That's all of time and space. And at the second coming of Jesus Christ, at least the time ends. Space remains. New heavens and the new earth. And we all have bodies for eternity, either in heaven or hell. So space remains, but time ends. Needless to say, God travels in and out of his little time and space golf ball into the universe, whatever he wants. He exists in there and outside of there. He's infinite, so nothing can escape him. So here's the thing. At every Mass, we go back to that first Mass because Jesus is God and he's not bound by the laws of time and space. And what that first Mass is commemorating is no longer the Passover of the Jews out of slavery in Egypt, but that first Mass is commemorating the passing over of the Son of God to the Father to save the entire human race, or at least more accurately, to redeem the human race and make salvation possible. So I'm not saved. I will be after I die and I go to purgatory or heaven. Now I'm saved. But until then, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling, which means that Christ has redeemed the human race, making salvation possible. So at every Mass that around the world, 364 days a year, the one day we don't say Mass is Good Friday. But other than that, the other 364 days a year, however many Masses are being said around the world, every single one, those people are going to Calvary. They're entering into the one eternal, never-ending sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary for the redemption of the human race. He's passing over from this world to the next, and he's trying to bring as many of us with him as he can. That's amazing. So this is something else to think about. Whenever we go to Mass, make sure you've got intentions to give to Jesus to pass over to the Father. We offer Masses for different things, right? But we think, well, I'll just give the priest. Here, priest, will you please offer this Mass for... Are you offering a Mass? 
We're all right here in eternity in just a few minutes. What are you throwing into eternity to be sent to the Father? Your marriage, your children, your health, your financial situation, your anxieties, your worries, your loneliness, your depression, your anger, whatever. Give it to Him. Always make sure there's a mass offering to be given to the Son of God to be taken to the Father. All right. So that's actually why I go to Mass. I don't really go to Mass out of habit. I don't go to Mass because I'm looking for Jesus to give me what I want. I'm going to Mass because I need to. And I've got an obligation to. Which gets me to the next point. To worship and adore God. We read in the book of Revelations and actually in other places in the New Testament too. Where these angels are around the throne of God just worshiping Him night and day. Just just imagine angels in their splendor and perfection. They're much more intelligent than we are. Around the throne of God, night and day, for eternity without end, and they never tire of it. Worshipping the Lamb. Worshipping. Worshipping Him. Coming to Mass and worshipping Jesus. Which is hard to do because we don't actually see Jesus in His glory. We see Him in a piece of bread. And it's really hard to punch through that veil to the other side, to who this really is. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And together with the Father, He created all things, including light and sound and air and all things. And so when we come to Mass, we worship that guy that creator, that sustainer of life, and that savior. These are all super, super important things. Super, super important things. But lastly, this, for myself. I have to say that, you know, when I've gone to Mass, especially as a priest, I don't go to Mass going, boy, I hope this Mass makes me feel good. Mass for me is a lot of work. There's stress involved. Um, I always feel like I'm Robin Williams trying to entertain you or feed you, and I'm always feeling, ugh. For me, Mass is work. It is just like, you know, at a rock quarry carrying rocks on my back kind of thing sort of deal. But recently, in the last year, I'd say the last six months, I have maybe for the first time in my life, I've been starting to at least sense pushing through that outer veil. And I think this has to do with the state of my soul. I've made great strides in the last year, especially the last six months, in my own personal holiness. And what that means with regards to the grace of God and receiving it is that I'm just able to receive more of it. It's one thing when you leave the front door open, all kinds of things can come in. But if you crack the window only that much, hardly anything can get in. If we're holy people, then more of God's grace can reach us. And so when we read the lives of the saints, and these people are the elite, they're the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, the elite. These people are receiving an abundance of God's grace, and many of them are even doing supernatural things as we read the New Testament Saints Peter and Paul, 
two guys who were notorious sinners and had many flaws and failings, ended up raising people from the dead. They're receiving a terrific amount of God's grace because man can't do that, but God can. Which meant that their lives had became completely transformed from Peter saying, I don't even know the man and running from Jesus. Or St. Paul trying to stone his disciples to men who could raise people from the dead. They became holy. And in that holiness, I imagine for them what it was like to celebrate Mass. There was their Lord and God. I know in reading the lives of the saints, many of them have apparitions and they could see Jesus or the Blessed Virgin Mary or their angel, etc. Or they would go into ecstasy and they could feel like they're completely inebriated by the presence of heaven. I'm not there, not even close. Whether I make it there in this life, I do not know. But what I do know is that in the last about six months or so, that I've become holier. And I'm saying that objectively, not subjectively, like, I hope I'm a holier or I want to be holier. No, I mean holier, as in I've missed very few holy hours in the last six months. My personal virtue has increased dramatically in the last six months. I've got a long way to go, believe me. But I've made a lot of progress. And in doing so, in those holy hours with Jesus in the morning, say from my holy hours now, the Monday, the Mass is 8.30 in the morning. It's, it starts at 5.30. It starts at 5.30 in the morning. 5.30, 6.30 is my holy hour. In that time, it's, I can see Him. I can see more of Him. It's almost as if in looking at the host, I can see color. I can't see Jesus' face or his body, but almost as if I'm seeing like the blushing of a face in the host. And I know too, because in particular I had an instant months ago in which I fell into some kind of other place with the Lord. And that was hard to do. That required a terrific amount of hard work being present to the Lord, not allowing my mind to wander. And I finish with this. If we come to Mass and we see this as a great work, hard work, as hard a work as anything we ever do, like that hard work of picking up that phone and talking to that family member we haven't talked to in years because it ended really badly, And we're going to call, and it's going to hurt like crazy to make that call. That's hard work. That's hard work. If we go to Mass with that kind of mindset, I'm going to work that hard. I'm going to work so hard at Mass to give Jesus my worship, my adoration, my love, my loyalty, my presence, my focus. then he'll appear. And I'm not saying that he'll appear with wings or anything like that in a visual way, but somehow he'll manifest. And even if we're not in a state of grace and we're in mortal sin, he begins to burn through it, just burning through it, like radiation through it. But it's a lot of hard work. I've been at this as a priest for 18 years and backing up six and a half as a seminarian before becoming a priest. It's taking me a long, long time. But if we work at it, if we truly work at it, 
we recognize what's happening in the Mass. Jesus is passing over to the Father to get me and you to heaven. Jesus is dying again, suffering and dying just to get me, nobody else, just me, to heaven. And even then, he's just rolling the dice that I'll accept it. If I go to Mass and I will myself to Calvary with him, I'm going to carry your cross, Jesus. I'm carrying your cross right up that mountain to the top. And I'm getting on a cross right next to you, buddy. If that's how we enter into Mass, then Jesus will transform us. He will. It'll be again on his terms how he wants to do that. But he will. He will.